Welcome to Farming God, a Sunday morning podcast on people and places. This is Yoga Retreat Part 3, a series on my time at a yoga center in northern Michigan. You could garner more context by listening to Yoga Part 1 and 2, but they aren't essential to enjoy this episode. People come to Song of the Morning Retreat Center for different reasons. Monica came for an internship, Audrey to run the community farm, Chip to visit his brother, and Brian to live and work in a place that aligns with his vocation. But like most experiences, we inevitably leave with more than we came for. If any of this conversation entices you to begin a meditation practice, I've shared some helpful links in the show notes. More book suggestions and helpful tidbits in the Farming God newsletter. Sign up at farminggod.org. Getting a haircut. What are you doing? Um, just seeing what people are up to today. Okay. You mind if I record what you're saying? <laughs> now you ask. Yeah, sure. Why did you come to Song of the Morning? Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, what a story. So here I go. Hmm. I was on the internet looking for a summer internship. Cool. Got an email from my school, and they had a bunch of listings, and Yoga Fest intern at Song in the Morning was one of those listings. And I was the only one that applied, from my school at least. I think only like six people applied, and me and Aaron got it. And so I came. Did you understand what you were uh, signing up for? Yeah, no, there was more to that story. I just simplified it. Yeah, no, uh, I, I interviewed... And in the interview, kind of let them know why I was coming. But yeah, I really like the idea of, you know, an internship that would still be, you know, helpful for my career, whatever. I don't really care about that, but that kind of thing. But also have another angle of, you know, living in a community and doing other more practical work in the kitchen and garden and cleaning. Um, one thing that's become very apparent here is everyone's on their own path and everyone's doing things for different reasons. Yeah, and on different areas of their own path. And you can't, um, I don't know, you can't hold anything against them for that. And all you can do is be patient with people and show them compassion. It doesn't mean they have to be part of your life or you have to entertain whatever it is that they're doing, but you have to respect that everybody's in different places. Um, for different reasons. I also think that people are looking for a new way of living, a new way to connect with people and have like a new paradigm of society and community and what that means. That's kind of why I'm here. Mm. Mm. Well, what is the new paradigm? How could the, like, 
I don't know. My my opinion is that it's like it has to be in a city. Basically, it has to be where jobs are, where like people can be as involved as they want to be, or as not involved as they want to be. But I don't know what. What's your What's your take? What can you take? What kind of paradigm is it going to be? Well, kind of play around with the idea of losing the monetary system. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, not completely, because I'm nowhere near that, but I think a lot of um, inequality, social and economic issues, theological issues kind of arise from the monetary system and how it's kind of everybody's god. So, yeah, I do think, I mean, I'm not the type of person that says I want to go live off the grid by myself in the middle of the forest with nobody around me. I think that we all need people. We all need, we're very... We're, we're pack animals, you know what I mean? And I think my new paradigm of society is people working together for a greater good and being able to share the fruits of their labor and not being so stingy. And I feel like a lot of that stinginess comes from this dog-eat-dog mentality of we have to we have to make as much money as we can to succeed. And all of our success and our happiness is completely dependent on the amount of money that we have yeah what's what's your name and what do you do uh here at song in the morning or just in general my name is brian clark and i am somewhat recently on staff at Song of the Morning Yoga Retreat as the Yoga Fest coordinator for a yoga festival we just had, amongst other things. Do you mind me asking about kind of your spiritual upbringing? Sure. How it played a role in your childhood? Yeah. Um, I think it's a somewhat familiar story of grew up Catholic with air quotes around that, you know, didn't wasn't super strict or enforced in any way. Um, but, you know, Sunday school and occasionally going to church and whatnot. And I took I took to it more than anyone else in the family. Um, it was just that connection with, with Christ and the, the, like, the heart, the sacred heart of Jesus. That, so I would pray at night and, and enjoyed that. Like, I don't know, there was something that spoke to me immediately about it. But I was too young to know exactly what that was, and then it wasn't really assimilated into the family in any like like concrete way, and it just sort of dissipated and into the teenage years when there were many other things I was interested in, and then into college, I definitely I swung and I'd swung so far that it was definitely anti-religious, like leftist, you know, rebellious kind of damn the man uh, <laughs> bring the system down and I saw religion as, as an institution that was a force for essentially evil in the world um, and I'd lost completely lost touch by that point to the to the heart of it that I had connected with as a child and now over the last 10 years um, I, I sort of see it just talking to you now as a reconnecting with that innocence the heart the purity at the center of it you know I think about that that Bible passage um, 
which I won't get exactly right, but lest ye be like little children, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so that that purity, that innocence, that, that sort of uh, thing that I connected with in the heart is, is there's something true to that all along. Mm. What I, I find a lot of uh, millennials in our generation uh, at that same point that you were the, I mean, and rightfully so they see religion, especially Christianity being co-opted by, mega churches and mm -hmm. mega preachers and just even mainline Christianity a lot of the times is incredibly hypocritical yeah how did you make the jump from that view to coming back around to um, spirituality at all if you have now where are you at now yeah um, whew, that's a big it's <laughs> a big question so I definitely have. I have. I have become comfortable using the word God. I have become sort of intimate in prayer with with Christ and that Sacred Heart again. But I. It definitely took. Uh, you know, I think there was a healthy sort of pushing all of that aside and then coming to the truth through myself. I think of what Gandhi says, which is, in my humble opinion, rejection of untruth is as important as accepting truth. And so there's a sense of, okay, I, the way I came to it, the way I, at least I narratively make sense of it is a sort of a trial and error of, okay, this isn't true. And even with religion, I, I see the, the vast violence and intolerance and brutality that institutional religion has brought into the world. You don't have to be a talented historian to look at the crusades and the, you know, suicide bombings and all the the fundamentalism on all sides and how that entrenched, you know, iron grip just breeds conflict and strife. And so I saw that and I rejected that. And with that, I rejected everything that went along with it. But then, I mean, there's a hollowness when, when life is lived without any sort of spiritual purpose and meaning. So I tried, I tried to, I threw myself into like, politics and political advocacy and thinking maybe that's the answer but it wasn't enough there wasn't truth with a capital t in it for me at least and i've, I've done the same thing through through arts and through just hedonistic experiences just like living life you know for pleasure and all of that none of that just satisfies the deep longing of a human soul and so through all of that i you know, I just somewhat trial and error, somewhat stumbling, but also, you know, being being honest with myself about, okay, this isn't enough, this isn't enough. And somehow through that, I came to silent seated meditation, specifically through like the Zen teachings and something about the simplicity and the purity of just opening up enough space to, you know, get out of the head, get out of the, the constant noise machine of thoughts um, Eckhart Tolle was really instrumental in my early years of, of, of coming to that awareness of just being present and what happens in that space, that spaciousness, that stillness that opens up. I mean, that to me is the heart of spirituality. And, and through that, that was about 10 years ago where I started meditating and it was difficult. And, and each year it's become more sort of foundational and fundamental into my life. And 
it's become harder and harder to ignore that that is more true to me. There's more reality. There's more love. There's more life in that simple spiritual integrity, that stillness that is always available that I, that I just keep coming back to. So uh, before you answer this next question is, which is what, what does your spiritual practice look like now? You asked me this yesterday. What, what is my spiritual practice? And my off-the-cuff answer was pretty lackluster. And I just began thinking about it and uh, last night. And it, what it is really extends beyond, I guess, what would traditionally be called spiritual. And I gave you some sort of answer like, oh, well, I used to kind of meditate and now I've just mm-hmm. kind of fallen off the bandwagon. But I think this will get me back into it. But I started thinking about it. And it's like, well, every Sunday I make bread. Yeah. And every morning I do uh, 10 of these uh, arm raising stretches. And like right when I wake up, I do that. And then I eat oatmeal every single morning. And these are things, these are routines that yeah. I might be liberally classifying them as spiritual. But as I begin to think about it, I see certain routines that I've placed certain points in my cycles that in retrospect I guess I could classify as spiritual so what are yours and how do you follow or not follow any sort of spiritual routine Mm -hmm. I like that the way you're opening that up of of, you know anything we ritualize we bring that bit of ceremony that, that bit of sanctity to it I think is I think fundamentally everything is spiritual. I think that's who who we are, is we are spiritual entities having this human experience. And so um, I think spirituality to me is, spirit is synonymous with awareness. It's with this greater consciousness, this this, this vast intelligence that, you know, is, is coming through us. And so the degree to which a, a person is more or less spiritual is just the degree to which they are more or less open to and in tune with that, you know, satchitananda, being consciousness bliss, that, that awareness that's just below the surface of our sort of egoic strivings and thoughts and emotions and all the, the superficial forms that cover spirit. <laughs> so yeah. that's my sort of um, preface. Uh, of, of how I see it. And so I don't draw a strict line necessarily between this is practice and this isn't practice. I, I definitely self-identify as an artist, as a creative person. And in that creativity, that art form, I see life, living life as the sort of supreme art form. And so all of it is, is part of it. Um, but it, it comes down, it's anchored in seated meditation. And so the heart of my practice the thing that I connect to the most because it's not abstract, because there's no need for belief, because it, it just brings me inwardly in a way that is, that is simple and pure and accessible is silent, formless seated meditation. So it just means sitting and listening and allowing everything to be as it is and just like, you know, not manufacturing or manipulating anything just just allowing for that 
ever-present stillness to sort of assert itself. That I always come back to in it's when the mind's racing and doing its thing or there's some agitation in the body or whatever it is there there you know it's not always easy but it is it's never failed me in the sense of 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 keeping me sort of anchored in the here and now and so when i get away from that i get away from my practice i get away from that being in, in touch with that awareness and then i i find i'm less spiritual so to speak um so that's the heart of it but I also have my rituals of, of writing and, and, you know, reading, journaling, drinking coffee in the mornings and doing my, you know, that, that ritual. Um, so I, I guess I'm just opening it up in, in, in the same way that you, uh, yeah. you know, open it up in, in that way. But, but so, yeah, Zazen, seated silent meditation, yoga. I live on a yoga retreat now. I'm finding that the way I sort of see my practice and my purpose and is to you know, it's continually becoming getting more and more out of the head into the heart into the body getting that all in an equilibrium and a balance and so hatha yoga has been definitely a part of that journey of you know not living so much in the mind but 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 listening to the wisdom of the body and the heart and the soul and the spirit all of it integrated how does your writing how is it affected or not affected by uh, your meditation practice? Uh, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, I think it's, I think every facet of my life has been radically transformed by meditation. Really? I think that if I hadn't have encountered meditation, I would be in a very different place than I am. And it would be, a, I would be, I don't even know if I'd be alive. Like, really? I, you know, I was, I was a kind of self on a self-destructive path until I found something that, that kept me grounded and, and, you know, a, a taste of seeking something else. And so before or without meditation, the words would be very, I think, noisy and chaotic. And, you know, they, it might sound good, but it would lack a, a heart and a soul. And so, um, Wendell Berry has this wonderful poem called How to Be a Poet to Remind Myself. And he, he says in there to um, create something that doesn't disturb the silence from whence it came. Like, that's how I see meditation. The words are actually coming out of the silence from that deep listening, that deep knowing of self, that deep knowing of, of God, and however you define it, whether it's self with a capital S or Brahman or whatever. Um, through that, you know, there's, there's an, there's an honesty and an integrity to the words that is vital, I think. Although so much of what I read and encounter and I, I, is, is, might be beautiful and provocative and, and exciting, but it's just, if it's just coming from, if it's not coming from that spiritual place, to me, it's it's essentially just noise. It's, it's just the same sort of egoic echo chamber shouting that we hear in the world and the media, you know, that's so essentially dissatisfying and, and why I think we're, I think we all sort of feel this agitation, this anxiety, this, mm. th there's something missing. And I think that something missing is that connection to source, absolute. So someone looking in on Song of the Morning Yoga Center 
uh, and see, see, listen to us talking about these things, the agitation in the world, the obvious anxiety around us, um, the social injustice that we see, how, how do we justify being at a place like this? Um, Mm -hmm. and in a way disengaging, uh, from, from those issues, especially as someone like you, who used to be involved in, like you said, political activism and such. How do you feel that relationship work out? Um, it's something we talk about a lot here and gets brought up and, and with, there's certainly a feeling within the last year or two of more and more, like I, a lot of people I hear say, like, just aren't satisfied with that. Like I can't not do anything. There's just something needs to be done. I do not feel that conflict at all. <laughs> not one cell in my body really? feels in conflict. And <laughs> Explain that. <laughs> Um, I think there are a couple reasons for it. One, at Song of the Morning, I believe pretty deeply in the mission of what we're doing here, which is we're essentially a spiritual oasis. And then during the weekends, people come in for these retreats and, and, and drink from this, this you know, yogic energy of, of you know, we, we meditate together and we are a real community and we're having conversations like this. And there's, you know, for 50 years, people have been congregating here for that purpose so it exists in that realm of people come they get replenished it's uh from the beginning the song of the morning was set up as a a sanctuary as a haven for all truth thirsty souls cool which is actually that that was the phrase that really drew me here i just loved that inclusive language but also the sincerity of it and so what i see what we're doing is we're not really hiding in that sense we are offering something that is extraordinarily valuable and uh, it just looks quiet and removed because it is and certainly it's not accessible to everyone and that has its its own issues and whatnot but actually so all of that i believe is true and that feels really good to serve that but that to me is secondary to what i believe primarily in my heart uh and i believe this to the marrow of my bones that the only way that the problems of the world are truly solved is by a radical transmutation of consciousness. We people need it's just the matter of waking up. You can call it enlightenment, sartori, like uh, fauna, I believe is an Islamic term for, you know, realization. Meister Eckhart invented a word he called breakthrough, whatever that is of waking up from the dream state of separation, of delusion, and then you know, becoming the, the saints and sages that we, that we all look to. Every single one, at least every single one that I've read, and I've read a lot, everyone I'm drawn to says the same thing, that that is the purpose of a human life. And they have shown the way, Christ showed, shown the way, every single one of them, you know, Yogananda is the, the guru, the saint that we look up to here at this ashram. Um, but the, you know, Ramana Maharshi I'm drawn to, Krishnamurti is very clear on this this idea of of it's only by waking up, only by that transmutation of consciousness that the problems of the world are solved. And so it's I'm jumping around a little bit, but the point to me is A, it's possible, B, it's necessary. And so my I see my task in this life 
not to advocate for another, not to, I mean, it's not a worldly task that I've been given. It is an inward spiritual task. So I take that very seriously of my job is to go inward, to know the self, to inquire within to that depth that I realize the truth that I think we all know in our heart and why we are so dissatisfied with living in the world, which is we are not the, we are not what we think we are. We are not that the name, the form, the ego. We are the spirit underneath that, which is of, which is all one. It's all unity. How, how old are you, right? 34. Many of the people coming through here for my four or five days here are seem transient 20 year olds. Mm. Uh, a lot of people seem in transition of some sort, whether or not they're 20. For you, from just our uh, minimal conversation, it seems that uh, it's, this is less of a uh, less of a quick transition. Mm-hmm. What most people seem to be going through. How do you how do you relate to this world that's coming in and out, and people are flying in and out while you're just kind of you're here? I mean, you've only been here eight months or something, right? Right. How how does that affect you, or uh, what do you hope to give or take, mm-hmm. or from the, from these people flying in and out? Yeah, I mean it's it's a great question. I'm I'm still navigating that, and it it you know I got here December first when it was very quiet and still and winter, you know, and there was less of that. Now it's this sort of active summer season when with where there is more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think, you know, the yin and the yang, it's got its, yeah. it's got its, they both got that, uh, that value to it for sure. So I, 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 again, I just, I bring it into what, what is my obligation and my duty is to be true to myself and to be as present and available and open and, and serve from that space of with an eye towards absolute truth is humanly possible. And and that means, you know, serving this place, it means serving anyone that comes through, but not, tr- there's no sense that I have of, I mean, conversion never works, evangelizing never works. So I, I, I try to be, I try to take as wide a view of it as I can and just, it feels really good for me to be here. And it just feels like where I'm at and what I can offer and what I get in, in return is is totally in alignment. Um, and I do get a lot of, of the people that come in for the retreats on the weekends or the, that came in for this, this summer program of, of doing their practice. And it's just like that new energy and that new sense of, of, you know, starved for something like what I'm sort of living in. It, it keeps it fresh and alive in a way that's good. And, and so there's that reciprocation that, that also works. But it, it is also sometimes, you know, challenging because we're a you know, a non-profit spiritual retreat on essentially a shoestring budget. So there's, we're taxed in some ways and there is a lot of demands, but it's, 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 it's service and, and service is something I believe in, which I've never really fully had until I came here eight months ago. And it feels really good. If someone aligns or is interested in things you're talking about, where would you lead them uh, literarily oh, wow. or, or cinematically? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh my goodness, there, the, there's a, there's a guy, Aja Shanti, he's a contemporary, um, teacher who 
he's like post zen he's sometimes called he's he's a wonderful he's like my probably the closest thing i have to a teacher um and it's it's his he's got these wonderful guided meditations that are just so beautifully simple and direct and don't require anything that isn't experiential and i think that to me was is the is the 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 core thing that i rejected and the thing that i've come back to is i i cannot surrender my agency to something that i have to believe in i see that a lot with with people of our of our generation of you know why should i why should i have to believe this thing and like give up this part of myself to come to something it's it's um you know and so that's why i like the directness of zen of non-dual vedantic teachings specifically ramana maharshi he uh carl Jung called him the greatest sage of the 20th century and i would maybe agree wow um he has uh, some books of dialogues that are so direct and and just like on point of his, his whole path was to inquire into the nature of the self and ask who am i and if you get lost in the thoughts ask the question to whom do these thoughts occur and it's always peeling back the layer of just you know that awareness behind the thoughts behind the emotions that awareness behind who you think you are behind the name behind the form and and through the process of meditation through the process of inquiry in my experience and the, the teachings that i've of maharshi and others um it, it it dissolves into silence essentially there are no words for it but there is the living experience of it and and it's in that way a surrender to that living experience that is already present what about films just one it doesn't have to be uh, overtly <laughs> overtly contemplative just right um just, just something that kind of just something that tickled your fancy yeah the the film that i've really been jiving with the most lately is 2001 a space odyssey <laughs> oh. <laughs> challenge starting people off with yeah a, a hurdle it, it, <laughs> <laughs> three hours of like, one one thing happening but it is. But that's what's amazing about it. It's this. It's a. It's three different stories, but it's telling the the same story. And the the like, vast perspective of that story is incredible. Mm -hmm. From the dawn of man, you know, as apes to, you know, this 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 beautiful man versus machine kind of on the cusp of where we are with space exploration, like visionary story, which in itself is a a beautiful contained thing, into this. You know sort of peek into the possibility of of a transcendent experience hmm. in a in a psychedelic kind of you know stanley kubrick type of way but he was he was a smart guy and and and, and the story that he was telling is not is it's not totally inaccessible there to me there is a narrative that is beautiful and and totally like yeah mind-blowing and, and visually just so rich yeah that's something you can't watch on a laptop it needs right. we need a projector and a sound system for that Indeed. Is there anything that we missed? Is there anything else you'd like to say? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think yeah, you've. I really appreciate your your curiosity and you, you ask good questions and just like the whole time you've been here, I think that to offer that to you and, and sincerely, I think that is something that is missing in the world. Is is there's part of that I think dissatisfaction is um it's just all of us trying to satisfy our own desires and. So anytime that someone shows an interest and, and has that deep inquisitiveness into uh, 
spiritual purpose. So it's, it's really nice to talk about. So thank you, I guess, is all I want to say. What are you taking pictures of? Uh, I was just taking a picture of the water. Just basically to test these filters that I got for this black and white film, this expired black and white film. I just want to see what the filters do. I'm not too excited about the picture, really. Um, what do you think about the trip? Um, I think it's been pretty good. I've enjoyed the trip. Yeah, I think it's it's been a it's been a good thing. A good sort of reset. In a way. Um, it's kind of weird being back in society, just around other people. It's just kind of weird interacting with other people. It just seemed like they're. You know, we were all like a lot more in tune with everyone and the group was kind of together and it was just kind of thing. But when you leave, you know, it's not really like that. I hope it can carry over. Um, yeah, it's hard. Your atmosphere or, uh, you know, your environment kind of affects how you are. So, going back to the same place, I guess, from within yourself, though, you can, you, can, you can change your environment, too. I don't know. It'll just be interesting to see what happens. at Song of the Morning for their hospitality. Music by Isaac Summer. Smoke signals at farminggod.org.